This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, we'll finally put a bow on the U19s and what an amazing final game it was. We have to send all of our hopes, prayers, and a lot of love to Sean Swanson. The Toronto Rock get their man, and it's no stranger to the organization. CNS is out west, and John Grant Jr. gets to 1,600 points. All that and more on OTCB. I am an outlaw. After a birthday week vacation, the OTCB podcast is back here on SoundCloud and NLO Radio. What is up, everybody? My name is Teddy Jenner, and if you want to get a hold of me at the show, I know you love to do that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. There's an E on the end of cross, or you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. And we have a lot to catch up on and a lot to get to. So, Let's kind of get right into it. Uh, before we go anywhere, uh, off the top of the show, I mentioned the name Sean Swanson, and it may be a name foreign to the majority of our listeners. But for anybody who has watched lacrosse out here on the island, um, especially Nanaimo lacrosse and the senior B Timmerman, they will know the name Sean Swanson. Unfortunately, um, the other night during a Senior B playoff game uh, between Nanaimo and Ladner in Ladner. Uh, a very, very scary incident happened. Um, Sean was back playing defense, went after a loose ball, and was hit from behind headfirst into the boards, and it was scary. And I have been in that position, obviously not on the severity um, of Sean's injury, but it is a very horrific thing to know that one of your friends, uh, a teammate, a colleague, uh, and a guy that you respect see in that position. And we hope for everybody's sake that Sean is going to be okay. Uh, I can give you a bit of an update on his condition. Um, he was immediately taken to hospital in Ladner. Uh, he was eventually moved uh, to Royal Columbia Hospital. I believe it's in New Westerk. It's right on the border. Um, and he was being looked at by doctors, and there was some concern. Uh, there was talks of paralysis. There was talks of a lot of things. Um, but for the good news, here's a, a post that Sean put on his Facebook page um, yesterday, just to update everybody and let everybody know how things are going. So um, this is what Sean had to say. Hello, family and friends. I'm completely overwhelmed at the amount of support I've received over the past 24 hours, almost Ferris Bueller-like. I broke and or fractured my neck in five different places playing lacrosse over the weekend. The initial prognosis by the ER nurses and doctors was that I would need surgery and rehabilitation on the mainland for at least a month with a dash of possible paralysis and even death thrown in. The last 24 hours straight, staring up at a ceiling, fearing I wouldn't be able to play with my kids. Scary stuff. Today, I met with a neurosurgeon who specializes in these injuries, and he turned my frown upside down. I have the option of surgery, rehabilitation, and the possibility that it won't fix my numb, weak arm as a result of one of the fractures. The other option was to rehabilitate for 12 weeks and hope the arm fixes itself. 
I chose option two and should be home later this week with a 12-week neck brace, a numb possible self-fixing arm, and maybe the chance I'll need surgery in the far future. I'm going to be good. I won't be able to pick up my kids anytime soon and likely won't be able to play lacrosse again. But I'm walking and happy. Again, thanks for all the support. Love you all. Sean. It's just one of those things that happen in sports that nobody likes to see. And it's something that coaches teach their kids in hockey, in lacrosse, these contact sports. You don't hit someone from behind into the boards. And unfortunately, the situation that happened, uh, the player that played for Ladner had just come off a three-game suspension. Uh, I talked to one player, and he wasn't really sure that um, his teammate should have even been playing in the game. Uh, he expressed concerns to his own coach that he probably shouldn't be playing, uh, but he was put in the lineup anyway, and then this happened. Now, in no way am I saying it was deliberate or anything like that. That's not what I'm here for. However, we have to be proactive in these situations, and we have to look out for the betterment of the game. And I understand that, again, that this wasn't an intentional thing. But a guy coming off a three-game suspension and in his first game back is about to go on a five-game suspension and maybe longer for a hit that just caused a guy his career. It's unfortunate. It's heartbreaking. And to read that, you know, that he won't be able to hold his kids for a long time, won't be able to play with his kids, won't be able to play lacrosse, the sport that he loves, ever again. So, Shawnee, we wish you the speediest of recoveries. And we hope that you're going to be okay. And we wish you the best of luck. And know that we are all pulling for you. Now, let's get on to some happier things, some brighter things, and some progressive things going on in the lacrosse world uh, because we have a lot to get to. Uh, we're gonna listen, or we're gonna talk to Jamie Dowick in a few minutes, the owner, president, and GM of the Toronto Rock. They made some news today, hiring Matt Sawyer, which isn't really much of a surprise. Sawyer's been with this organization for uh, a long, long time. Um, in many different compa capacities, uh, he was brought onto the bench late last year when they let Dan Lattisur go, and now he's taken over for John Lovell, the man he's worked with very closely for a number of years. They retained the services of Blaine Manning, who will be their offensive coach. Um, Pat Campbell, the cannonball, will continue to be their goaltending coach. But the one name that they brought in that I'm really excited to see how he works with this group is they were able to get Bruce Codd out of Calgary. Now, when I asked Mike Board, I said, was there any compensation? He says, nope, none. Which is incredible in sports this day and age. And I think it's a great thing about lacrosse. Because when you see all these other sports and, you know, teams go ahead and hire a, an offensive coordinator from a football team. And they have to give some sort of compensation. Whether it be a draft pick, money, whatever. That doesn't happen in lacrosse. We don't have that. And... You know, we'll talk to Jamie about it, but he, he essentially said, you know what? It was basically a respect thing. Um, Dowick approached the Roughnecks and said, hey, we would love Bruce Codd to be our defensive coach. And Mike Board and his staff of Kurt Miloski and everybody obviously would have had to talk about this and have some discussions. 
But in the end, they're like, you know what? Bruce has given us a lot of his time and his years, uh, traveling back and forth, being away from his family. You can have him. No questions asked, no compensation needed. Out of respect, he's yours. That's phenomenal. With everything that goes on in the world of sports, to see something like that, to see an organization like the Roughnecks say, hey, you know what? You've put in your time with us. Let's part ways on good terms. You'll always be a Roughneck. Now you get to be closer to home with your family, friends, and he gets a new chapter in his books. So uh, congratulations to, to Matty Sawyer and especially to Bruce Codd um, on his new gig. And uh, like I said, we'll talk to Jamie Dowick here in um, a couple of minutes. Also, uh, we're going to talk to the commissioner, Nick Sakevich. He's out west um, doing some business. Uh, he was with the folks out at the Langley Event Center today talking with everybody uh, within that building, within that organization to see you know, how they can help improve that group, how they can move forward, how they can better the product here out in BC because this is a crucial, crucial marketplace. And it's going to be interesting to see how this year, 2017, unfolds for the Vancouver Stealth. Because I think they're in a really tough position. Because they're going into, what, their fourth year out the LEC? And they have yet to make the playoffs. Um, their attendance numbers still continue to be down. And they need a huge change. They need a massive change. And so it'll be interesting to see um, what Nick and his people bring to the table, um, what the LEC people, the Township of Langley, uh, what Denise Watkins and Doug Locker and Dave Takata and everybody within that organization brings to the table because it has to change. So we'll talk to Nick momentarily. Um, but you know what? Let's focus for a minute on probably the best field lacrosse game I have seen in almost a decade. It was the U19 World Field Lacrosse Championships last Saturday out at Percy Perry Stadium in Coquitlam, and it was phenomenal. It had shades of the 98 FIL World Field Lacrosse Championship in the men's division uh, between Canada and the USA, where the, the Americans were up like 12-2 in the fourth quarter in Canada stage. An incredible comeback, like a comeback of ages. If you haven't seen that game, go onto YouTube, Google it, find it. There's a, a grainy video out there of highlights, but go watch it because it's just crazy what the Canadians did that game, and it was ridiculously heartbreaking that they lost in overtime. I don't watch the overtime, just so you know. Whenever I go back and watch that game film, I just stop it at the end when Toller misses right at, I think it was Toller, uh, right near the end of the game off a of faceoff that Rodney Tapp won, who was a beast that game. So fast forward, what, eight, nine years, and the Canadians were the underdog. You know, the Americans kind of played the role that they were the underdogs, but they weren't. They were the heavy favorites. 
and Taylor Ray and Matt Brown and Jeff Snyder and Merrick Thompson, uh, Jason Levesque, that whole crew had their team so well prepared. Like, they came out on fire and had an 8-2 lead at halftime. And people were like, oh, my God. what is this actually going to happen? Is this going to be the moment where the Americans lose their first ever FIL U19 gold medal? And I was sitting with Tyler Hevner, and we were like, this is unbelievable. And then the third quarter started. And the Americans started winning draws. They started gaining possession. They started gaining momentum. And they scored a couple quick goals at the start of the third quarter. And they started to get their swagger back. And that was the one thing that the Canadians didn't allow them to do because they didn't have any momentum. The Canadians were all over the Americans that first half. And then it was another goal. And another goal. And then Canada would get one back. And then the Americans would score. And it just went back and forth. And every time the Americans would get one or two, the Canadians would score right back. And that was huge because they couldn't allow the Americans to continue to build that momentum. But then it just continued to go downhill for the boys. And they weren't getting the stops that they were getting in the first half. Um, They weren't getting the goals they were getting in the first half. And the real big turning point was when Willie Klan, for, well, for me, uh, was when Willie Klan denied Marshall King on the doorstep in that third quarter because that would have made it a three-goal game and Canada would have really cemented themselves. But the Americans would score four straight in the fourth quarter and then they won the faceoff when it was tied and held the ball for the last almost two and a half minutes and just sat on it, took the air right out of the ball. And it was funny because when I talked to Nick Myers, the American head coach, after the game, I said, you know, what was, what was the focus in the second half? Because, you know, you obviously, you know, your team didn't panic. He said, nope, we just knew if we played our game, we'd be okay. He, he said Friday night, the night before the final, he and his coaching staff stayed up to the wee hours of the morning watching the 2014 FIL game between Canada and U.S. in Denver where Canada knocked off the Americans. And he said, we wanted to be prepared for what they would throw at us and try to see if there was something that we could learn from that game. Well, the one thing that a lot of people were talking about that game was the fact that the Canadians played, quote-unquote, field lacrosse without a shot clock. So they could just kill the possession, slow things down, and just eat clock. And that's exactly what the Americans did last Saturday against the Canadians. For the last two and a half minutes, they held onto the ball. And Taylor Ray um, said after the game, he said, you know what, we knew that was going to happen and we had one of two choices. We could go out and pressure, try to get the ball back because we knew they were going to hold on to it for the last shot. Or we could sit back and hope our defense makes a stop. Obviously, hindsight being what it is, maybe he might change that decision. I might have gone after him and, and tried to get the ball back. But sometimes you got to just let your defense try to win it for you. And when the Americans scored with eight seconds left, it was heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Because 
that group of kids had worked so hard to get to that point and get that lead and then to see it go away with eight seconds left, it's just crushing. Like I felt for every single one of those kids. Then they end up winning the next draw, the ensuing face-off, they win it. They won the draw and they go down and then they throw the ball away. And the Americans won their eighth straight U19 championship. Unbelievable. It was an incredible week plus of lacrosse. It was some of the it was one of the best field games I'd ever seen. And I've played a lot of field, seen a lot of field. It was just phenomenal. And I can't wait for the next one. I believe it's in Ireland. I believe. One last thing in the U19s. One of the greatest parts of these international events is the gear swap. So there I'm sitting with Tyler Hevner and we're between games and all of a sudden there's this huge mass of people behind us in the concourse area where all the vendors are. And there's just clothes and gear and crap everywhere on the floor. I'm like, what the heck are they doing? And then I realized it. It was like Team Taiwan and Team Mexico and Team Germany and Team Scotland and all these nations. And all those kids were out there and they're swapping gear. Here, take my, you want my shirt? I'm going to trade you my shirt for your shirt. Perfect. Hey, you want a golf shirt? I'll give you a golf shirt. Hey, you want to swap gloves? Hey, you want to swap helmets? Anything. And that's just such a cool part of these international events. And no one of these kids have such good swag these days because they keep trading up. So it was great to see, you know, and that's, that's lifelong friendships. That's bonds that are made. Um, you know, those guys will see each other down the road. They're, they're at the European Championships right now in Turkey. So a lot of those European country guys are going to be seeing each other again right now. And it's just phenomenal to see when things like that come together and the camaraderie of the lacrosse family uh, in a situation like that was just awesome to see. Um, and, you know, the, the, you know, the real key attractions were getting uh, an Iroquois helmet or a Canadian or an American helmet for a lot of those kids. And they were lined up outside of the field with helmets and sticks and gloves and anything they could that would be valuable enough in their minds to say, you know, um, hey, Austin Stats, would you trade me my helmet for your helmet? Or, hey, Marshall King, you want to swap gloves? Anything like that. It was just, it was awesome to see. And it was um, an incredible week of lacrosse, like I said. So congratulations to everybody that was involved. Uh, Jake Elliott and Andy Watson did an absolutely fantastic job calling a lot of, calling all those games. Uh, Jumbo was there pretty much every day calling two or three games a day. Um, he did some yeoman's work out there. Uh, Cliff Paskus and his crew just uh, thumbs up. It was, you know, I was only there a couple days, but for everybody that I talked to, it was a tournament that went off, you know, quite well. They dealt with the fire. Um, they had a little bit of everything, and uh, they put on one heck of a show. So congratulations to everybody involved. Um, shout out to the Canadians because those kids played their hearts out. Uh, they deserved a better fate. And you can see the gap is closing. Uh, they just needed another possession, another save, another goal. But the Americans were just able to find a way. 
as they somehow always do in that tournament. Let's focus back here uh, on the National Lacrosse League. As mentioned, the Toronto Rock were in the news today on Tuesday uh, with the hiring of Matt Sawyer, the naming of Bruce Codd as a defensive coach, and the re-signing of Blaine Manning and Pat Campbell as coaches as well. So joining us now here on the podcast is a longtime friend of the show, one of my good buddies, uh, Jamie Dow. JD, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing, Teddy? I'm, I'm quite well. It's uh, a busy day for you on a Tuesday, which is kind of rare. Um, it's got to be good news that you can keep uh, the hire of a new head coach within the family. Yeah, I mean, that's the, it is, and that's the way it worked out. I mean, that wasn't, uh, you know, something that I was focused on when I kind of went through the process. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, obviously I'm very familiar with Matt, and, you know, I hired Matt because I think he's the right guy for the job, and I think he's the best guy available to me. Um, and that that's why he's the next coach of the Toronto Rocks. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm excited about it. What You know, Matt's been around uh, lacrosse circles for a long time. He's been floating through the NLL here and there. He was, in, he was in Boston for a bit, and he's been with you guys for a little while, both on the bench and, and up in the sky. But what do you really like about Matt that, that – gives him this opportunity well i mean matt's been a winner everywhere he's been and he, he's a he's a good lacrosse coach and he's a he's a very smart guy and he's attention to detail and he's an x and o's guys and and the reality of it is is you know currently there's nine of these jobs available and and it's tough to get one and yeah. um you know there's a there's a lot of uh you know coaches that have coached multiple teams in this league and seem to move around and and you know, Matt's never really, uh, you know, in Boston, he got in there on the eve of the season, and then the team folded at the end of his mm-hmm. first year. So he's just never really had a shot, and, you know, much like players, it's all about opportunity and timing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I felt like, um, you know, th- this is Matt's time. He's earned this, and, and you know, to me, he was the, the, top, can- the top guy, and, and that's why, of course, he's the next head coach. It obviously helps that his familiarity with the guys and 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 being with that organiz with your organization for a while really helped too. Yeah, and uh, you know we want to we want to get things back a little bit. You know he he's familiar with the way we've run. He's been around you know in one capacity or another other than the year in Boston pretty well mm-hmm. um, since I've owned the team. So you know he knows how I like to run my organization and uh, you know I not that. Uh, you know, we, we were unhappy with a lot of things with John, and it was about making a change. So he knows what I like, and he'll put his spin on things, and, mm-hmm. and I think he's up for it, and, and I'm ready to, to see what, you know, what, what he's going to do now that he's the one calling the shots and making all the tough decisions and, and, and running the show. Uh, you, you don't have to name names, but how long was your list of, of candidates that you, you know, interviewed and talked to about this job? Well, my, my my list of candidates was long. There wasn't, um, you know, I, uh, I I started the process. Um, you know, I started a list of you know coaches I I was interested in, and mm-hmm. and there was multiple lists. Um, you know, and then and then you start exploring what's available to you and what's not, and uh, you know, and 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 that's how I ended where I did. So. Uh, you know, I wanted to be I wanted to be thorough in my, in in my, for my own mind and for peace of peace of mind for the franchise and make sure I, you know, explored all my options that were available to me and 
and make what was the best decision. So, um, you know, I'm not going to get into who who, who was mm-hmm. officially interviewed or this and that. I don't think that's important. No. Nope. Um, you know, there, there there's a lot of good candidates, and there's a lot of good up-and-coming lacrosse lines, and, you know, I think you'll see uh, I think you'll see a bunch of them come to the forefront in the next little while. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the sport is in good shape. You kept two guys uh, within the organization on your coaching staff with Wayne Manning and Cannonball, Patty Campbell, uh, who will keep their positions. But you're also able to lure Bruce Cottaway from Calgary, which was um, a, a great thing for you guys to have the utmost respect for Brucey and, and what he's done with that Calgary defense and, and the things that he's done with Kurt Miloski and then the Roughnecks. I, I talked to Mike Borden. He said that there was no compensation given um, from you guys to them. It was a bit of a gentleman's agreement to, to get Brucey. No, it, well, there was no gentleman's agreement. It was uh, a pretty classy move on Calgary's part, yeah. to be honest with you. I mean, you know, in our league, there's no, you know, there's no rules on what happens, you know, with coaches and compensation and this and that. And, you know, this was, you know, this was a great opportunity for Brucey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a chance to move home. He's given you know, a lot of years to the NOL and, and the Calgary uh, Roughnecks and traveled and in the last four years traveling. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, they did, they didn't, they definitely didn't want to get in the way of an opportunity for Brucey. Mm-hmm. And, and I have the utmost respect for Mike Ward and, and Kerr Miloski and the, and the way they handled this. And, and um, when I went back to them and told them, you know, that we, we we really wanted to get Brucey involved. Yeah. Um, they said that uh, you know Mike Ford said to me, Jamie, um, you know we're not going to stand in the way and and we're not going to ask you for compensation because we don't want that to yeah. you know ruin a deal. So of course you know hats off to their organization, especially those two guys. It was yeah. uh, you know a very classy move, and and I know they're not thrilled about it because they love him too. But yeah, uh, you know they've they've given him a good opportunity. You see it happen a lot of time with players and. And that's obviously different because they're not just going to give players away without compensation. But, yeah. um, you know, this, this, this was good. And, and we have a good relationship with them. And and these guys are coaches. And this, is, this gives Brucey a lot of opportunities on a lot of different fronts. So, uh, you know, a lot of respect for their, their franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other moves you guys made in the offseason, of course, uh, everyone kind of was, expecting it but not really expecting it uh, with the retirement of josh sanderson he becomes your assistant gm how's he fitting into that role uh working beside you as your right hand man it's 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 going real well so far um you know speaking shoot a lot more than i had the past but uh (laughs) then as a player obviously um it's good i listen i i you know it's funny um He's a lot like the old man. He's a, he, <laughs> he really he really is. And, yeah. and now that we're work, you know, him and I are working very closely together on everything. And it's just kind of funny to see situations arise, and I just kind of smile and I go, God, like, you know, it's it's it, it's it's crazy. But listen, shoots a shoots a brilliant lacrosse guy. Just Absolutely. wants to win. Um, you know, he, he, he's a part of this group and, and we're working very closely together on everything and, and everything's been great so far. So, uh, you know, another good addition to my franchise, I believe, I, mm-hmm. you know, I feel real good about, you know, 
issues. Now, now we're at the point where, you know, I got suit in place. Um, you know, we've, we've added Dan Pete to DJ as kind of our Eastern scouting, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a very, uh, good addition to our franchise. You know, the, the lacrosse world knows who Dan Pete is, but, um, you know, I think he brings a lot to the table. And then, you know, for, for Maddie, uh, you know, his guys were Blaine and Brucey, which, you know, has the full support of Shooter and I. Um, Patty Campbell, you know, one of the best in the business. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I feel really good about all that. I feel really good about it. Uh, it wasn't obviously the year you wanted to have last year, but, you know, you're putting the places in for, for 2017 to better be a better year. Uh, another, you know, move that kind of caught a lot of people off guard was you getting Rabel. Um, what orchestrated that whole thing? Well, listen, I'll tell you one thing. I've uh, I've always uh, admired, uh, admired Paul Rabel as a lacrosse mm-hmm. player. Uh, we played against him the first two years I owned the team uh, when he was playing for the Stealth in the championship game. And, yeah. You know, he he was an impact. You know, he's a pretty raw box lacrosse player. Absolutely. But, you know, for me, he was an impact player. Um, you know, lots of reasons why he hasn't played over the last little while. You know, how it all came about, to be honest with you, it's kind of funny. Is um, you know, I've hired Colin on as the new director mm-hmm. of programming at the tracks. So, um, you know, one of the things Colin brought to me because of his relationship with Paul. Yeah was this Paul Rabel experience that we're going to be hosting at the Toronto Rock Athletic Center. So the funny thing is that all kind of happened first, and it got me thinking, you know, about things, and and then just, you know, if I I can acquire his rights for uh, a reasonable price, um, you know, it's worth the gamble to me. Absolutely. um, You know, that's basically what happened, and – you know, I'm yet to meet with Paul. We've exchanged a few emails, and, you know, he's he's busy with his MLL season, course, and yeah. I, I don't want to interfere in that anyways. Uh, he's got a job to do there, and, mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll get together, and we'll sit down, and we'll talk about it. And, and uh, you know, I think the best thing for the sport of lacrosse would be if Paul Rabel's Absolutely. in the MLL. Um, you know, like, we've got, you know, the game, the sport of lacrosse needs to start to come together a little bit mm-hmm. and try and take this game box and field to the next level. And, and I don't think that's going to happen with five different organizations all yeah. working in their own direction. And, yeah. and we need to, you know, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to uh, do everything I can to try and get Paul Rabel in a Toronto Rock uniform next year. And if it doesn't happen because of reasons it can't happen, you know, There'll be no hard feelings, but, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I'll do my best. And, and you know, I think Paul Rabel can be – I, I believe he can be a superstar in the NOL with the current, Absolutely. you know, rule structure and, you know, his ability and, you know, just – he's a freak. And you've seen yeah, him play a lot live at West. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I think he's probably a lot better now than he was when he left. And he was pretty mm-hmm. darn good when he left. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I I think it would be exciting. It would be huge for my franchise, both on and off the floor. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's definitely on my list of uh, (laughs) to-dos. My list of my to-do list for the summer. (laughs) Uh, Also on your to-do list is to pick number two overall. 
Um, obviously, a lot of that weighs on what the, the rush are going to do with the number one pick. But um, it's got to be exciting to be able to have that pick and, and to be able to start your, your franchise with uh, or to continue your franchise, obviously, with, with a number two pick overall. Yeah, I mean, the reality of it is is I don't want to be picking number two. I'm only yeah. picking number two because we had such a miserable season last year. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't have a I don't have a draft pick next year because of a deep, you know, we made years a deal we made years ago yeah. with uh, Georgia and, and Brock Sorensen. So this, this pick or what we do with this pick is uh, incredibly important to the franchise. Yeah. So, you know, we either uh, – you know, there'll be lots of options. Saskatchewan, you know, for me, um, you know, people can say what they want, but they're kind of uh, in the driver's seat in, in so many different ways right yeah. now. I mean, yeah. you know, they are the best team in the league, and uh, they currently hold the first and third pick, and they have a ton of assets. So yeah. uh, let's, 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 we got to wait and see what they want to do, and, and, and they have a lot of options at their disposal, I'm sure, and, you know, I, I, I know that uh, if I pick number two and, and that's what I do, I'll be adding uh, a heck of a more cross player, you know, hopefully for the next 10 or 15 years. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, we'll wait and see how this plays out. There's a lot of lacrosse to be played this summer and see how mm-hmm. guys, you know, play and, and, and step up in the playoffs. And, and um, you know, we'll see what Saskatchewan does. They kind of control it, control it. Speaking of the summer, uh, your Oakville Rock are, are having a pretty good one um, winding down the season. What are your hopes for playoffs? Well, um, you know, it's, 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 it's been a good year. We've, made, we've taken another step here. And, um, you know, are we the – are we the uh, – we're probably the underdog of the four teams going into this. But yeah. I like my group. And, yeah. uh you know, I know they're going to show up and, and come to battle. And, uh, you know, if someone's going to put us out, we're not going to be an easy out. So yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm a, we're, we're the underdog. We know that. Um, you know, the other three teams are pretty stacked head to toe with a lot of NOL superstars. And, and um, but uh, we'll make no excuses. We'll show up and, and we'll give them what we got. Um, one no, final question. Co- I, I don't believe that it's, you know, I mean, it's not going to be easy, but no, why not? No. Why Absolutely. Not? Why not you, right? Why, why not us, right? Why I not mean, you? Uh, you know, I, I would argue that our goalie, you know, might be the MVP of the summer. Again, mm-hmm. he continued to do what he's doing. So we'll, we'll see. We'll take our chances. We'll match up with whoever we match up with. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, you can count on us showing up anyway. So, Absolutely. Uh, you know, we'll go from there with that. Uh, one thing before I let you go, um, did you go to the World Series of this, this year? You know what? I didn't make it this I year. Didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't no, I didn't make it. You would have seen me on Twitter. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, yeah. I just had so much on my plate this year. My kids were out, of, you know, a couple of my kids were down in the States uh, with the Edge Lacrosse program, which they're involved in and, and stuff like that. So uh, I, I had to pass this year, which which I didn't enjoy, but hopefully I'll get back down there next year and uh, and take another stab at it because I did like this. how crazy of an event is that? Like I've never been, it, I, I watch it on TV all the time. Like I'm obsessed with it, but it's just it has to be just insanity. It, it is insanity. It is. You see, 
you see everything, and then, you know, <laughs> you're playing, yeah, yeah, okay, the prize, you know, you're putting up $10,000 to play in that, and, yeah. and, yeah, the prize pool's crazy, but, I mean, like, as far as poker tournaments go, if you were going to play in one all year, that's the one you want to play one. in. Yeah, absolutely. And you see a bunch of amazing things, and you meet some amazing people, and and uh, it's always a blast. And, yeah. Um, you know, either down to the final nine now. I know there's a Canadian. Actually, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine from high school mm-hmm. is uh, really good buddies with the Canadian guy who uh, who has made it to the final table. So, uh, oh, fantastic. You know, a bit of a connection there. Yeah, um, you know, it was neat. It's good for you know, it's good. It's 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 an unbelievable experience. Yeah, if, absolutely. If you ever have a chance, you know, uh, anyone, you know, whether you win a seat in for a satellite or you just yeah, get your know. money or whatever, but I mean, you know, it's one of those things. Like, you can't go, you can't go and show up at a lacrosse game and play a lacrosse game against Colin Doyle. But if you want to go play in a, you know, a poker tournament with Phil Ivey or Phil Helmuth yeah. or whatever, you know, you can go show up there and pay your money and play. So absolutely, it, 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 it's pretty cool. I, I missed it this year, and uh, you know, I hope to get back next year. Well, we'll be following next year when you do, buddy. It's uh, it's always a pleasure catching up. Thank you for some time, and uh, enjoy the summer. And uh, we'll be looking out for some more news from the Rock. All right, thanks for the thanks for the call, and uh, all the best to you out on the West Coast. There he is, Jamie Dowick, GM, president, owner of the Toronto Rock, with some, you know, pretty insightful things there, talking about, um, you know, the reasons why they went at, went and got Maddie and and the familiarity he had with everybody and, and the winning pedigree that he comes from. Uh, so I wish uh, Matt Sawyer the best of luck because he is one of the great, you know, up-and-coming lacrosse minds in the National Lacrosse League. And it's interesting to hear Jamie talk about the fact of how all these other names are out there. And then we might start seeing them come out of the woodwork. Because when expansion comes, there's going to be a few jobs opening up. And it'll be interesting to see who gets those jobs. Because it's going to be a very sought-after position to get some of these lucrative new expansion teams, wherever they end up being. See if Nick Sakevich can maybe, maybe drop some knowledge for us. And maybe a tease or two. He doesn't really like to do that in the times that I've talked to him. He likes to keep things close to his vest and and just let people wait and see. And, you know, there's no real rush, I don't think, for the league. They have, you know, they set the timeline for these new teams to come in 2018, so we still got two years. But The Rock, with now Matt Sawyer, uh, with Josh Sanderson as assistant GM, uh, I didn't ask him about um, the status of Colin Doyle, but we still don't know um, where he's at after uh, having surgery. And, you know, he's working with the Toronto Rock Athletic Center as their program director, and, and he was one of the big reasons, like Jamie said, to, of, you know, the Paul Rabel experience, and that sort of allowed the trade to come about. And it'll be interesting to see if, like, how that relationship flourishes if they can get Paul to commit. But we've talked to Paul uh, many times, uh, not only on this show, but he and I have had conversations at length. The crossover between the two leagues is killing the, the actual product on the floor for both leagues. And somehow there has to be a way. 
And field across people will say that they don't want to go up against the Super Bowl. Uh, they can't play in the winter. Uh, it should be the NLL's decision to move because they're playing indoors. We'll have to wait and see. Um, and hopefully hopefully something comes along. We're going to ask, I'll ask Nick about that if he's had any conversations uh, with David Gross, the major lacrosse league commissioner, and see how those two are, are working together. Um, speaking of the major league lacrosse, uh, an NLL superstar made his debut last weekend. And wouldn't you know it, he just did what he normally does. Yeah, nice trail check there by Dylan O'Shaughnessy. Switch. There he is. The Great Dane. His first major league lacrosse goal. That one courtesy of John Gertler. Uh, for those confused, um, the goal wasn't courtesy of John Gertler. The Great Dane moniker is courtesy of John Gertler. But that was Dane Smith's first goal as a member of the Rochester Rattlers of the Major League Lacrosse. Uh, if you go to their web or their Twitter account, um, you can see the goal. And it's such a prototypical, stereotypical Dane goal. Uh, he starts with the ball off the back end line and just runs at his defender. And NLL fans have seen this move. NLL defenders hate this move. He basically runs at his defender, gets him topside, and just does that ridiculously stop plant that he does that people can't keep up with. And he stopped, lost his defender by a couple of feet, kept his stick up nice and high, threw a fake or two, and potted it in the back of the net. It's good to see Dane playing again because he had some, uh, I think he had uh, MCL surgery uh, during the offseason after the National Lacrosse League Finals. Uh, so it's good to see him back playing and, you know, still venturing outdoors to see if this is something that he can uh, really, you know, um, acclimate himself to. Because when we talked to him a little while ago, he said that, you know, he wants to be on the Canadian field lacrosse team the next at the next World Championships. And so if he's going to do that, he has to get on the radar of the Canadian national team, and that means playing for Randy Mearns down in Rochester, uh, getting his name out there and, and testing himself outdoors. So uh, congratulations to Daner on his first ever Major League Lacrosse goal, and I'm sure there's going to be more to come from the great Dane. Speaking of greats, John Grant Jr. is pretty great. Uh, he's been splitting his time between working with the Valor High School program in Colorado and flying back and forth uh, to play a little bit of major series lacrosse with the Peterborough Lakers. And this past week, Junior joined a very elusive club. Uh, it is the 1,600-point club. And crazily enough, he's 11th all-time. At 1,600 points. Now here are the... Now let's just do a quick trivia question. If I asked you to name me the top 10 all-time scores of senior A-ball in regular season playoffs and man cups combined, how many would you be able to name? Two? Probably. Three, maybe. If you're pushing five or six, you're pretty good. If you say you're gonna get all, you're gonna get nine of ten. I think you're cheating, and if you're gonna say you get all ten of them, uh, you're probably the guy who made the site that I'm looking at right now, and that would be uh, Wampers Bible of Lacrosse, 
And if you don't know what the Bible is, find it. It has everything you're ever going to need. It's updated almost all the time. And it is just a ridiculous amount of knowledge for stat geeks. So here are the all-time top 10 regular season playoffs and Man Cup scores combined. Top of the list, no surprise there. The man, the myth, the legend, John Tavares at 2,693 points. Sitting in second is John Davis, followed by Sean Williams, who still plays, so he's going to try to keep climbing. He's not far behind John Davis. Fourth is Paul Parnell. Five is Wayne Goss. Six is Ron McNeil. Seven is Dave Durante. Eight, Larry Ferguson. Nine, Colin Doyle. And ten, Kai Coombs, who played from between 1958 and and 1979 and has 1,631 points. If the Lakers make the playoffs, John Grant could catch him. Could. Got a little ways to go, but he could catch him. But congratulations to Junior um, on a incredible feat. 1,600 points. I still don't know if I ever got to 100. I'll have to look that up. That's what the Bible's for. I can go look up all my stats. If you're a lacrosse player and you played junior or senior in Canada, I can probably tell you your stats. It's sweet. Find it. WampersBibleOfLacrosse.com But let's get back to the National Lacrosse League and let's focus on the commissioner, Nick Sakevich. He, as I mentioned, he is out west in BC doing a bit of a tour and trying to get a lay of the land. Talk to some people figure out what's working, what's not, and try to get this stealth franchise moving in a positive direction going forward. He graciously gave us some time earlier today between meetings and when I caught up with him, so he joins us now here on the show. The commissioner of the National Cross League, Nick Sakevich. Nick, how are you, sir? Good, Teddy. Great to be here. Thanks. No worries. Uh, I hear you're out on the West Coast enjoying some uh, BC flair. Um, what's, what's the purpose of your trip this week? Oh, I'm here. Uh, I'm here with some staff from uh, the league office, um, and we are, uh, you know, we've had the meetings with the uh, the ownership and getting to uh, understand the marketplace better. Um, you know, we're building one of the key pillars of our of our uh, our strategy is a team services function, and um, and we're out here with senior staff to to begin uh, deploying that. That team services function and uh, um, helping the stealth and planning strategies for uh, the upcoming season, which is going to be a really good one. Uh, getting to know the building, uh, I hear a lot of good things about the building and what the stealth have planned for the upcoming season. So we wanted to come out here and educate ourselves on what the stealth mm-hmm. was doing and continue to learn the great uh, BC lacrosse marketplace. Uh, yeah. It's it's a truly an amazing uh, it's an amazing market. It's incredibly dynamic from a lacrosse standpoint, and um, we absolutely have to be wildly successful. Yeah, and, and that's that was going to be my next question. Obviously, the, the stealth haven't had the success um, off the floor, even on the floor. They really would have liked since moving to Vancouver. What do you see is is the big hurdle for them? Well, you know, it's in any of this, it's it's not 
rocket science is people plan and execution. So in in in, a, in any department, whether it's the players on the floor in the locker room to the to the ticket and marketing staff to the community relations efforts to the sponsorship and, and marketing partner uh, relationships, broadcast relationships, media relationships. It's, mm-hmm. it's all about having the right people in place and having the proper plan in place and then, of course, executing on it. And part of team services at the league office is to work with the teams, not dictate mm-hmm. to the teams, but work to the, work with the teams to to uh, accelerate their plans and make them more successful. So that's that's what it's all about. And we, in this marketplace, um, particularly because of the deep heritage of, of the lacrosse game here, we've, uh, we, we, it's not a matter of if, it's when we will be successful in this marketplace. Absolutely have to get it right. You know, you've been doing some, as you said, you've been learning some things about life out here in BC and the LEC and the ownership group and everything. Was there something that's kind of, opened your eyes and be like, okay, wow, that's, that's something that we need to work at, or that's a relationship we need to build upon. Um, yeah. You know, like you learn unique things about each marketplace, but, but I think the one specific here is, is that, you know, the, the relationships have to deepen at every level, whether it's with um, some of the other uh, lacrosse organizations the national governing bodies, the local governing bodies, uh, the community of Langley, who own and manage uh, the arena, and I think I think the lacrosse fans are going to be very excited to learn about some of the new things coming out of the arena um, this year for this upcoming season. I think you're going to see some new looks and some exciting new things um, that the building will be able to provide and enhance the fan experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the team I think the team has a, a great strategy and business plan to deepen relationships with fans and. Um, people within the lacrosse community and and people that aren't lacrosse fans that are soon become lacrosse fans, just yeah. like I was uh, eight months ago when I didn't know much about lacrosse and now I'm uh, I'm a junkie. So um, <laughs> I, I I I think that um, I can't wait for the season to start. By the way, yeah. I just really can't wait for that first opening night. Um, and I, I'm, we're really excited about the business plan that's been put together in the off season that was presented to us today and. And we're really surprised about some of the things that the building has coming out its way, and um, I think the fans are going to be very excited about it. So we're we're here to help, we're here to learn, we're here to, to add value to what the, the stealth are doing, uh, both on and off the off the uh, floor. Let's look at a bigger scope of the National Cross League. Obviously, um, your big thing was to get more teams, and you want to move forward for 2018, but. You know, you said to me last time you were on the show that you wanted to make some announcements in the off season, building up so you give these new organizations time to grow and build. Are we any closer to to maybe having a short list of teams that might be available for next year? Um, or in two years even? Yeah, yeah, yes, we are. Uh, not obviously not any specifics I can talk about because mm-hmm. all of these conversations are are ongoing and. And highly confidential. Yeah. Um, you know, but you know, again, making progress. I'm going to stress patience mm-hmm. with all of this because it's really not about expanding for the sake of expansion. Uh, I think we've done that in this league before, mm-hmm. and things haven't worked out so well. So we're we're taking our time. We're making sure first and foremost that the owner, the owners, the new owners are the right ones, and we're the right league. Those owners. So that marriage is really important. The second 
you know, key component is the the arena or the barn, as you call them uh, here in Canada. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That the bar that the barn is a proper barn, and yeah. that we play in a, in an authentic uh, arena that that provides a great opportunity for the owner to actually make a decent business out of it, and provides the game to the fans in an authentic manner, so that it's mm-hmm. packaged properly and authentic. And then the third piece is, of course, the the market and making sure we're, we're in a we're making absolutely sure, 100%, yeah, yeah. not 99%, 100% yeah, sure that it's in a marketplace that will uh, embrace the team and support the fans. I'll, I'll take I'll take 10 more Saskatoons in a heartbeat. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and that's that was all about being really smart about where put where to put the rush. Um, when they moved from, mm-hmm. from Edmonton, and uh, and they did it right, they moved to the right. They moved to the right city. Um, uh, speaking of moves, uh, you guys have moved much of your office to Conshohocken, and uh, just outside of Philadelphia. You talked about that move of being sort of uh, to get closer to a heartbed, a, a city, and somewhere where you can be a little more prevalent. Um, your relationship with that city is obviously very well known. Was it a bit of an easy decision for you to to make that move? Yeah, it it, it was easy for a variety of reasons. First and foremost, it puts us in a marketplace where the National Lacrosse League will be front and center. So, you know, I mean, even the governor of Pennsylvania is excited about us moving to to Philadelphia, to Pennsylvania, Concha. Mm -hmm. Um, So in New York... You know, obviously, we we play in the shadow of all the big leagues and some pretty big team brands, mm-hmm. and um, and fighting for talent, fighting for uh, you know interns. Interns are huge, and like yeah. kids coming out of out of school, out of sports management programs. You know, maybe the NLL wasn't their first choice in New York, but NLL is the only headquartered league office in Philadelphia. So right. that relevance factor was important. Um, Candidly, a couple of people I wanted, you know, to work with again um, were were in Philadelphia, and, mm-hmm. and we got we got them on board, and the league's going to benefit from that. Um, I also think that um, you know it's not if but when we bring uh, a team to Philadelphia, we have an opportunity to create a great dynamic, you know, yeah. side by side with that team in, in a great venue in a great sports city. Uh, fans of Philadelphia, I know they're some of the best sports fans in the world are in yeah. that town. Um, so lots of reasons um, to do it, not to mention the great airport flying in yeah. out because we're spending our, our, our lives on airplanes these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's just centrally located. It's an awesome lacrosse market. It always has been for many, many years, yeah. uh, going back to the early days of the league with the wings. So, uh you know, it, it just feels like home, and home is a good place to be. Uh, the relationship you have with the Brownstein group is, is growing. Um, how excited are you for them to be a partner with the league and, and some of the things that they're going to bring uh, that will make the league more accessible for media and for fans alike? Well, it's great. I mean, we just finished up a, a research phase, so they, they just completed a, a research phase, so they've talked to uh, a lot of fans, a lot of owners, players, key stakeholders, media partners, um, outside media, people outside the game. And um, we've just completed that research phase with them, and, and that will be the basis for developing the new league brand, the narrative of the league, 
um, and also, you know, launch, you know, we're planning on aiming to launch a new website uh, before the start of the season. Awesome. That's far more robust from a video uh, delivery standpoint. We're mm-hmm. going to be creating more written content. It's going to be mobile-friendly. Awesome. Um, and they're right in the midst of designing all that based on the research. So it's a bit of a work in progress. Um, they absolutely are the right digital agency. They're very committed and um, and have put a great team on board. And Ashley Dapp, our, our new chief marketing officer, is living uh, a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. And she was with you with the union, correct? Yes, she yeah. ran uh, she ran uh, advertising, marketing, and communications. Yeah, and, and how important is that? To, you talked about um, you know having some people that you used to work with uh, come on board. How important is it to have to for you as as a new person in this industry to have people that you're familiar with to be able to fall back on? Uh, it's huge. It's yeah. all about trust, and you know the reason I'm excited that Ashley come came to join us, and why our new COO and our new CRO Kevin Morgan have, have joined us is because uh, I know them and they know me and we mm-hmm. trust each other, and that's what it's really all about. Um, I, I, we don't have time here to build what we're building to have a get-to-know-you period. And yeah, if it doesn't yeah. work out, too bad, so sad. So I'm not into that. You know, we know each other well. We've had great success in other places together. Mm-hmm. And um, and we're we're on a path to do that with the National Lacrosse League. Uh, I was just talking with Jamie Dow before we had you on the show, and, and we were talking about the Paul Rabel um, signing they were the trade that they made to get Paul Rabel and the Paul Rabel experience they're going to bring to the Toronto Rock Athletic Center. Um, and he said, you know, it's great. It would be great for the NLL to have Paul Rabel, and it would be great for all of lacrosse to have Paul Rabel. Um, have you had any conversation with David Gross of the MLL to, to find a way for the two leagues to coexist so that we can have the best of the best playing in both leagues? Um, I have, actually. And, and, and you know, I, I agree with with Jamie's feeling that it would be great for the NLL to have Paul Rabel, and frankly, I think it would be great for Paul Rabel to be playing in the NLL and mm-hmm. be mutually beneficial. And I think that's a microcosm of the two leagues working together. And and you know, I, I did have a meeting um, back in um, I think it was April mm-hmm. um, with David to to explore those opportunities. And uh, you know, I, I hope that that those conversations uh, continue to go forward. Um, I will tell you that we are also having a numerous uh, other conversations with other key stakeholders in lacrosse from national governing bodies to, to uh, other constituencies within the lacrosse community, clubs, uh, elite mm-hmm. clubs, rec clubs, uh, state associations, uh, high schools, national governing bodies. And our, our approach is to partner with as many of them as we can to help grow the game, mm-hmm. um, both uh, on the field from a competitive standpoint and off the field, and um, we'll continue to do that. And I'm really excited about some of the announcements we're going to be making in the coming months regarding those partnerships. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so what's next for you? Oh, uh, just continuing to, to focus on the five pillars, and we can't yeah. get distracted on that, so it's all it's all hands on deck now. You know we're, we're finally in our new budget uh, as of July one, and and we're investing against the digital platform that we're going to launch, a new website. We're focusing in on uh, team building, the team services function, and what right. uh, 
what that's all about. We're focused on building a grassroots business and building a grassroots program across all of Canada, you know, numerous cities in Canada and the U.S. Uh, we're focused on building a new marketing partnership, corporate marketing partnership platform, which is what Kevin Morgan's in the middle of, uh, securing uh, new marketing partnerships to help grow the league going into next year. And then, uh, you know, we're deep into a number of conversations with potential expansion cities um, with some really, really awesome people that I would love to have around the board. Day. So awesome. it, we're in full swing now. Yeah. We're only, what is it, four weeks? Or three weeks into the new budget, but yeah. we're finally uh, we're finally executing on that plan that we talked about the last time I was on your show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one last, you said patience with with expansion, and that's you know all we can ask for. But do you have a a date where you'd like to be announcing teams, or is that just all part of the patient plan? No, it's listen. Stop just patience with expansion, but it's patience with everything. No, yeah, but, okay. but keep in mind, I I came from a league that it took twenty years. To build and and actually arguably even 10 or 20 years before that for a generation of Americans and Canadians to grow up soccer fans right yeah. so it, you know we we live in a I want it now I want it yesterday society but I'm just going to tell everybody that you know patience and steadiness and investment in the right things doing the right things uh, can build an incredible league. And I witnessed it coming out of Major League Soccer. And they're, they're a shining example of yeah. what patience and strategy and thoughtfulness do when you can have a collective group of owners that invest in the right things. So we're doing that. I'm really excited that we're on track for that. And awesome. we just got to stick We just got to stick to the plan. Well, we're going to be by your side as you run this plan through fruition, my friend. Uh, it's always great catching up with you, sir. I uh, appreciate you giving us some time and enjoy your time out west. You bet. Thanks, Teddy. Always nice to be on your show. There's the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Nick Sakevich. Uh, he is in town with some of his people. Um, we can tell you that there will be an announcement of some more people joining his staff uh, early next week. So uh, stay tuned to NLL.com for that or probably find it on my Twitter page because I'm going to know pretty soon. Um, and so will you. But uh, there are some interesting things that he talked about. Uh, he said that he's had conversations with Dave Gross, the MLL commissioner, and they both feel that, you know, something should be done uh, to get the best of the best. He says that, you know, the, the National Lacrosse League needs Paul Rabel. Paul Rabel probably needs a National Lacrosse League. Uh, they're, they're, and the, the biggest thing that he stressed and you could kind of hear him when I asked him the secondary question about did he have a, does he have a date to announce teams? And he kept using the word patience. And as he said, this is a, a day and age of instant information and needing to know now. And we all want to know who's going to be the 10th team in the National Lacrosse League, who's going to be the 11th, maybe 12th team to come into the National Lacrosse League. But we don't know those things. And all we can do is speculate of where some of these cities might be. Uh, and we've done that at nausea here. Uh, but for fun, let's have another look. Um, uh, where I would love to see the NLO go back to, um, first off, I would love to see them go back to the cities they've already been in. Uh, Edmonton, Minnesota, Philly, Portland. Four of them right off the bat. Boom, get it done. Where else would I love to see the NLO go? Back to Detroit. Gotta happen. 
the Detroit Turbo fans love the National Lacrosse League. Uh, I think it would do really well there. Um, I would love to see it go back to Pittsburgh. Uh, they have the new arena there. The Bulls were there uh, back in the day. And then, there, you know, there's other markets. Um, Nashville has always been a market that people continue to talk about. There's always been talk that uh, the National Cross League wants to go down into Big D, down into Dallas. Um, there's a huge grassroots of lacrosse going on down there. Um, so, you know, there's, there's tons of spots. Um, but as he said, you know, I would go to, he said, I'd go to 12 more Saskatoons if I knew it was going to work out that way. And you can't argue that. This came out um, late Monday, and I think it might have even been earlier um, on Tuesday, but I found out uh, Monday. The Saskatchewan Rush have either are over or nearing 6,000 season tickets. I talked to somebody who had a meeting with Lee Genier, and Genier was jokingly saying, I'm going to be sold out like every game. And I truly believe that they're going to be. And the Saskatchewan model has worked. Begs the question. Can that model work in other cities? Or do we have to have a model specific for each city? We'll leave that up to Nick and his people. And again, all we can do here in a little radio studio on Vancouver Island is speculate and wait. So we will wait. Uh, so thanks to Nick uh, for giving us some time. He's an incredibly, incredibly busy man. When I asked him if he had time to talk with me, he sent me this list of his meetings that he was going to have. And so we had to find a quick little window to have our talk. So I appreciate um, him giving us the time. And, and I know we'll have him on again uh, in the near future. So again, thank you to Nick Sakevich. Closer to home uh, in the summer because because that's where we are. And we're nearing championship season. August is championship season. Uh, the intermediate provincials uh, are on this weekend in Vancouver. I believe it's Langley, Coquitlam, Victoria, and Maple Ridge. Uh, those are your four teams that are competing for the A provincials um, out at the Langley Event Center. Uh, they start on Friday, July 29th. Um, that's the first game for the Victoria uh, intermediate Shamrocks. So, uh, best of luck to them and best of luck to everybody. I don't want to play too many favorites because sometimes I get pegged as an island green bleeder. So, best of luck to everybody. However, the WLA is closing down on the end of their regular season. Uh, there are five teams left in the chase for the playoffs. Nanaimo and Langley have officially been eliminated. New West continues to lead with 24 points, they have a five point lead. On Maple Ridge, they've played the same amount of games. However, the Shamrocks sit in third. They are six points back, but they are also th they've also played three less games than New West, so they can make that up pretty darn quickly. However, they have a hellacious end of their schedule coming up, and it starts Wednesday when they have to go to the Langley Event Center, and then they're going to play. Four games, and I believe it's six nights. Uh, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Sorry, three games in four nights. So they'll go to Langley Wednesday. They'll host Burnaby on Friday. And then they'll go play Coquitlam on Saturday before they finish the year 
next week, Friday, Saturday, with games against Nanaimo and Coquitlam. So they have five games left. They'll play three in four days, and they need those games to climb back up the ranks and try and catch the new Westminster Sandbell. Actually, try and catch Maple Ridge because Maple Ridge is making a bit of a push here as well. Uh, out east in the major series across league, they are almost done their regular season. Um, and it's been a foregone conclusion for a long time of who was going to be in the playoffs. Like, this is ridiculous. And I've often talked about the the disparity or the non-parity uh, in the east, how it's usually just been like one or two teams uh, it's you know it's either going to be Peterborough or Six Nations or is Peterborough Branton or is Peterborough in Brooklyn or is Six Nations in Brooklyn like it was kind of always one or two teams maybe a third team had a chance but you always kind of knew it was going to be two teams like it was Peterborough and Brampton in the East Finals for like a decade straight I might be exaggerating but I think that's true but this year. Peterborough, Brooklyn, Oakville, and Six Nations have just absolutely run away from Brampton and Coburg. Brampton has six points. They're 14 points behind fourth place Six Nations. And Coburg has a win and a tie for three points in their first year as an official MSL team. They moved from KW in the offseason. But Peterborough has first place wrapped up, but second through fourth is still up for grabs. As Brooklyn sits in second with 23. Oakville is in third with 21. They both have one game left. Six Nations is in fourth. However, they still have two games to play. And they're only two points back of Brooklyn. So uh, they could easily launch themselves uh, up into that coveted second position. But just imagine if Peter and Six Nations met in the first round. How good would that series be? And then Brooklyn and Oakville? Like... Of those four series, they're all, or of those four teams, both of the semifinal series are going to be dynamite. Like, take your pick. Peterborough, Brooklyn, Peterborough, Oakville, Peterborough, Six Nations. All three of those series could be dinos. And then Brooklyn, Oakville, or Oakville, Six Nations. There's going to be some good lacrosse out east. And I think there's going to be some good lacrosse in the west uh, come playoff time. Um, if, if the race to the end of the regular season is any, you know, telling tales of what's going to happen. But I just don't think there's the firepower and the star power out west that there is out east. And, you know, people, you know, out west will, you know, wave the flag. I'll wave the flag till the day I die. But if you can look me straight in the eye and tell me that the WA is, is better than the MSL right now. Can't do it. Can't do it. So um, both leagues wrapping themselves up uh, will be a final uh, push here in the next couple weeks for teams to, to solidify their positions, and we will keep you updated as they go. Uh, tonight out west in BC, there is one game on the schedule, and that now, of course, takes me right to where I don't want to be. Um, and that is a game over in Burnaby. It's Coquitlam and Burnaby, a big game for both clubs. Um, it's a playoff standings game. Um, you know, it, with a win, it would give Burnaby 19 points. It would have them tied in second with Maple Ridge. Coquitlam would have two games left. They'd still be stuck on 14 points, and they'd still have an outside shot 
of catching the Victoria Shamrocks. However, the game coming up at the end of the season could be the one that knocks them out. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, and then finally, uh, in the junior loop, uh, they are in the semifinals in both leagues. It is Mimico in Six Nations, and then it's Brampton in Orangeville as they get set to start their final semifinal series. And out west, they've already started playing their semifinal series. Coquitlam is up three games to none on Poco. And Delta, I believe, has a two games to one lead on New Westminster. Let me just quickly get you that double check. That would be correct. And Delta and New West just so happen to play tonight. Actually, both series are tonight. Uh, Coquitlam could put the final touches on Poco. And Delta could take a 3-1 series lead over the New Westminster. Salmon Bellies, again, just for reminder's sake, um, the two teams that win those semifinal series go to the BC Finals. Both those teams will automatically go to the Minto Cup, even though it's being held out at the Langley Events Centre. There's no host team, just a host venue. And then the teams, strangely enough, have a decision to make. Do they play a best of three to decide who is the BC champion? Or do they play best of five to decide who's the BC champion? Now, if you are one of those teams, what would you do? Would you rather play a best of three and then have an extended break? Or would you want to go to a bit of a war and play a best of five and see what happens? The whole reason that the BCJ opted for this new format with the wild card and then the best of seven and then the best of three slash five was because they wanted to make sure BC teams were fresh and had a better, had more of a competitive advantage for when they went to the Minto Cup. So is it more important for you as a team? Because as I said, both teams automatically go to the Minto once they get to the BC Finals. So would you be like, okay, you know what? Winning the BC playoffs isn't that big of a deal. We'll just play three and see what happens. Roll the dice. Or let's play five and beat the crap out of each other. Risk possible injury. Risk possible suspensions. Well, that could happen in a three-game series, but the longer a series goes, the more chances those things can happen with bad blood and all that stuff. So it shall be interesting to see. I, I highly doubt, I highly doubt anybody will say, hey, you know what? Let's play five games. Let's do a best of five. I don't see it happening. I don't. Finally, uh, we're going to scrap the bathroom reader. I'm not going to do that anymore. It was fun for a couple weeks. I learned some things. Maybe you learned some things. We're going to do away with it. Um, finally, uh, the Coquitlam Adnacks will have a very, very special night um, this Saturday at the Palace on Poirier as they honor a true legend in lacrosse when the Victoria Shamrocks come to town, and that is one Don Doc Hedges. Um, anybody that's been around uh, BC lacrosse, uh, even been around Team Canada, will know the name Doc Hedges. He has been an absolute icon and a pioneer out west. Um, he has just been around the game and helping teams and mentoring future doctors and mentoring players and just 
being one of those good salt of the earth guys. And so it's alumni night uh, at Coquitlam, the Palace on Poirier for the Coquitlam Victoria game in Coquitlam Saturday night. Um, there'll be a ton of alumni on hand, but they are going to recognize um, Doc Hedges for his outstanding work, uh, not just with the Adnax, but with all of lacrosse. And, you know, some of his accolades and some of the things that he's done are just, um, it's just incredible to see how much he's worked on. Um, you know, he's a member of the Canadian Academy of Sports Medicine. He's a past chairman of the WA. He was a past president of the Coquitlam Adnax. He's been the team physician for multiple WLA teams. Uh, Team Canada Box and Field, Burnaby Lake Rugby Club. He was working with the Ravens. He's worked with the Stealth. He's worked with the Whitecaps, who are a soccer team. Um, He's won Sports Medicine's BC Best Practices Award. Uh, It's just incredible the accolades that have been bestowed on Doc Hedges over the years. And it's just been an it's been so good knowing him. You can walk through any arena in Vancouver, and if he's there, you can sit and chat with him, pick his brain, and just have a conversation with the man because he's just down-to-earth, kind-hearted, and just loves sports and the athletes that play it. Um, so thank you to Doc Hedges for all that he's done. Um, you know, he's. I, I remember times where uh, I wasn't playing for Vancouver. I think I was with Rochester, and we came out, and Andy Turner needed to get a physical for Team Canada, and, and Doc was with the Vancouver Ravens at the time, but he was like, yeah, you know, I'll see you. And he gave Turner a physical right in our hotel room. And like, he, he, he doesn't show allegiances. He can work for a club, but he's able to take off that hat when he needs to. And that was one of the best things about Doc Hedges. He didn't care who you played for. He just wanted the best for you. So congratulations to Doc over three decades of services for the Adnacks and just being a part of, of BC sports in general and Canada sports as a whole. Congratulations, and I hope that Saturday is a very special night for you and all of the Coquitlam Adnac alumni. That'll about do it for another edition of the OTCB podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. Thank you for stopping by and taking some time to hang out. Thanks to Jamie Dowick for giving us some time. And, of course, thank you to the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Nick Sakevich, for stopping by and maybe giving us a little bit of tidbits of information here and there, uh, maybe give you a little bit of insight of what's going on and pique your interest for what's to come in the coming weeks and months as the NLL will announce some more initiatives, um, some more staff members, and who knows, knock on wood, a new franchise or two. We're getting out of here. It's Tuesday. There's lacrosse to watch. There's sun to enjoy. My name's Teddy Jenner at Off the Crossbar on Twitter. Teddy.Jenner at gmail.com is the email. Would love to hear from you. Again, best of luck and speedy recovery to Sean Swanson. Uh, best of luck to everybody in the Intermediate A Provincials. And take a friend to a game and show them what this incredible sport is all about. And if you're going to take a friend to a game, Don't bring a lacrosse person. Bring someone who's never seen the game before. Get them hooked. Get them hooked and make sure they come back. And then when they come back, make sure they bring a friend. Until next time, be excellent to each other.